your children's healthy attitudes and behaviors are inextricably linked to a healthy spirit. And though a healthy spirit doesn't first require your child to understand every verse in the Bible, the Bible is nonetheless the owner's manual that we have for aligning our human spirituality with God's will, way, and word. In fact, the Bible is actually referred to as the very word of God. Yet it contains things that are problematic for many in our society, even many in the church. For example, a six-day creation, talking animals such as the serpent, a global flood, and an ark bigger than a football field built by folks without modern equipment. Many Americans would say that these are just tall tales or myths. So if we expect our kids to gain a healthy spiritual maturity, helping them understand the problematic and controversial aspects of the Bible is a must, especially if we want to smooth out some of the rougher parts of your child-rearing experience. We'll help you with that today on Licensed to Parent. Hello and welcome to Licensed to Parent, your normally wise and safe haven of parental bliss where we avoid all controversy at all costs and, as I said on another program, lull you into a sense of peace and tranquility when it comes to being a Christian parent in the 21st century. Nay, we uh, actually help you address the challenging topics, and we do it to the best of our abilities from the perspective of a biblical worldview. Our host on Licensed to Parent is Trace Embry, the founder and executive director of Shepherds Hill Academy, which is a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. And I am uh, Rich Rosel. I am his radio sidekick, I guess, for lack of a better description. Wacky sidekick. Well, Trace, knowing and understanding the Bible uh, certainly does go a long way toward making our child-rearing experience a more pleasant one, but a lot of kids um, have been well-behaved and have honored their parents from different places around the world since the beginning of time without a Bible. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I know you feel it's important to know and understand the Bible from cover to cover, but why do you feel it's such a big deal um, that we make it out to be? Yeah, well, you touched on it in the opening, Rich, you know, when you talked about a, an owner's manual. Uh, most of us don't have to read our car's owner's manual to actually drive the cars. Uh, the owner's manual is that little book, Gathering Dust in Your Glove Box, by the way. Uh, many <laughs> if of you us, haven't found it. Yeah, many of us don't need to use it uh, for all the different accessories on our dashboards either. Uh, we can even work on our car without the owner's manual to a point. Uh, many of us have observational skills and a cursory knowledge of our cars that we can figure you know, most things out, but not everything. And that's why we have an owner's manual. Um, but the human experience is a lot more complicated than a car. And uh, just like our car's owner's manual, uh, you can pursue God and how to raise kids without a Bible. And, and people have done it for throughout history. But why would you want to do that if you have one? Uh, our owner, our creator has designed and built us. And so why wouldn't we use his manual, the Bible, to find out the right way to do things? And, and like our car's owner's manual, uh, it's the guide to set us straight on a lot of things, like raising kids. Uh, rich without an objective source like God's Word, as spiritual as we might think we are, it's easy to hear from the wrong spirit. Right? Remember who the devil is. He's an, an entity disguised as the angel of light. So and the Bible's a tremendous tool for keeping us on the straight and narrow. And when it comes to raising kids, it helps us not just with wise insights and tools for raising our kids. It, it helps them better understand what it means to be a good and wise son or daughter, too. Uh, will our kids stray from time to time? Yeah, perhaps. But don't we all? Uh, but at least we always have the objective and perfect source, our divine owner's manual, if you will, 
to refer back to for strength, uh, for encouragement, for knowledge, for wisdom, peace, guidance, precedent, and, and clarity. Yet the Bible and our car's owner's manual are the two least read books on the planet. But when we read uh, any writing, I mean, we have to know how to properly interpret it and then disseminate that information. And this is especially true for the Bible if our kids are going to get an accurate picture of who God is, how he interacts and operates in our lives, and what he expects with respect to a healthy parent-child relationship. Today's guest has sparked the production of some pretty amazing tools that can help us legitimize the Bible to our kids uh, and other adults as being the document it claims to be and therefore worthy of our trust. And this includes media, reading, and video resources, all the way to a huge biblically-based theme park. Theme parks, actually. Actually, you're quite correct. Well, Ken Ham has ventured onto this program before. Uh, It's been several years since we last had a chance to speak with him. Uh, Ken is the CEO and founder of Answers in Genesis U.S., Uh, as well as the highly acclaimed Creation Museum, and he's the visionary behind a popular full-size Noah's Ark. Uh, It's now called the Ark Encounter. You can find out about that at arkencounter.com. Ken is one of the most in-demand Christian conference speakers and talk show guests. Uh, You may remember back in 2014, he gained international uh, notoriety because of his creation evolution debate with Bill Nye, the science guy. Who's not a science guy, by the way. Well, that's, that's, that's a whole <laughs> separate program. But anyway, that, uh, that debate has been watched by an estimated 25 million people now. Uh, back in 2007, uh, Answers in Genesis opened the High-Tech Creation Museum and Education Center. That's located in Petersburg, Kentucky, which is in the Cincinnati, Ohio area. It's a state-of-the-art facility with dozens of world-class exhibits. Uh, and uh, incidentally, in its few years since it's opened, they've already had over 3 million guests pass through those doors. In uh, 2016, the Ark Encounter opened just down the road in Williamstown, Kentucky. That's about 40 miles south of the museum. And it is a life-size replica of Noah's Ark right there at the uh, centerpiece. And we'll find out from Ken some of the other things that they're in the process of adding. Ken is first and foremost, though, a biblical apologist. And Trace, you and I always like that in a guest, somebody who will defend God's Word and and the arguments that go for and against it all the way to the end. uh, He gives numerous talks to tens of thousands of kids and adults each year on topics like the reliability of the Bible, how to witness more effectively. He talks about dinosaurs and races and on and on. Um, He co-founded Answers in Genesis back in 1994 with the purpose of upholding the authority of the Bible from the very first verse. Well, Ken, welcome back to License of Parent, brothers. Good to have you back. Hey, it's uh, great to be with you. And the last time we talked, uh, you were laying the groundwork for building a life-size Noah's Ark uh, replica uh, and a whole lot more. Can you give us an update on what's going on there and uh, how things have been going there? Yeah, we opened the life-size Ark uh, two years ago, and you know it's one and a half times the length of a football field, half the width of a football field, and it stands seven stories off the ground actually, mm-hmm. from ground level to the floor and then to the roof. Ten stories at the bow, 3.3 million board feet of timber, and it's filled with all sorts of exhibits answering questions. It's an apologetic center. Mm-hmm. You know, questions like how could Noah get the animals on the ark, and how could he feed them and look after them, and how could Noah even build the ark, and, and of course it. It presents the gospel very, very clearly, too. 
Mm-hmm. And then outside, we have a village market and we have a monument walk and we have a zoo and we're expanding the zoo uh, right now and we have beautiful gardens, rainbow gardens and all sorts of other facilities as well. People actually come from all over the world. And, you know, it's interesting. When we first opened uh, the Ark, there were many people, even in the church, that said, well, people aren't going to come to an attraction like that who are non-Christian because if if you're going to present the gospel, which we said we were going to do, and we're going to be overtly Christian, uh, surely people won't want to come to that in this secular, secular world. But I always maintained if you do something the quality of Disney, the quality of Hollywood, uh, and and you present the message carefully, properly, and in in a way that's not uh, hitting people on the head, but it's very bold, and they can uh, see the message that they will come. And people do come from all over the world. 30% of those who come to the ark are non-Christian. And the thing Mm. that amazes people is the diversity of people that come. Mm. Just to give you an idea... I was down the Ark a number of months ago, and on the one day, I met a group of Catholic nuns, a group of Orthodox Jews, a group of Muslims from Baghdad (laughs) who dropped in, and there was a group of Hindus, and then we have all sorts of other people uh, from different countries and and, uh, people from different denominations and Amish and Mennonite. You see people together, walking around together. You would never see uh, together in the church like that. So are are you actually fulfilling the mission for what it was uh, built? I assume you are. Oh, absolutely. Because our mission was, you know, we want to impact people that normally wouldn't be impacted. We want to equip the church and we want to answer questions to challenge people to start talking about the Bible. Because as you know, in our culture, you know, the Bible's by and large been thrown out of the public schools and, and uh, there's been generations educated against the Bible. It's just a book of mythology and told, you know, Noah couldn't fit the animals on the ark and, you know, evolution's true and millions of years is true and the Bible's just a book of mythology. And so... I know that as I travel around the world for the past 40 years, one of the most asked questions I would be asked is, how could Noah get all the animals on the ark? And and a lot of children's books have Noah's ark like this overloaded bathtub with giraffes sticking out the <laughs> chimney about to sink at any moment. And they always bug me because the world, the secular world, the devil wants children and mums and dads to believe Noah's ark never happened and it's just a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Why help the world do that by having it pictured as a fairy tale bathtub ark. Exactly. Let's show them the, the real ark. And I, I tell you what's exciting. I've actually been in the shuttle buses. We have the ark is built on 800 acres, right at an interchange on, on the second busiest north south interstate in America, Interstate 75. And people come to the parking lot, which has 4,000 spaces, and they park and then they get on shuttle buses. It takes them a mile across to the ark. And I've been in those shuttle buses when you see the families and that, all these little kids and teenagers, and there's great expectation. They come up the hill, and as soon as they see the ark, you hear the gasps. Mm-hmm. And then you hear, hear the kids saying, wow, I didn't realize it was so big. You know what it does? It help, helps make it more real, in right. a sense. It helps, right. the, helps the Bible come alive. And that's exactly the point. Yeah, and you, you took those uh, measurements right out of Scripture, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we, well, the Scripture gives you measurements in cubits, and, you know, we did a lot of research on that, yeah. and there's, there's different sorts of cubits, and uh, we went with a, with a particular cubit, but uh, regardless, those cubits are, you know, anywhere from 17, 18 inches to 20.6 inches, yeah. and we took one of the ancient 
cubits that we think is more likely what uh, what Noah would have been uh, familiar with. And, you know, it comes down to uh, 450 feet long and uh, 85 feet wide and 51 feet high, and we built it 15 feet off the, off the ground. And so we built it to the measurements in the Bible to show people how big this, this was. It, it was a great wooden ship, and we built it out of wood. It's a true timber frame structure. Mm-hmm. We had 100 Amish carpenters who did that. <laughs> wow. So, so no screws or, or modern fasteners in there. It's well, all, all built the old way. Well, we had to do that. We weren't allowed to use... We, we used wooden pegs in a number of places, but, you know, these days uh, you've got all these codes that you have to build things by. Liability. You know, if, if, if Noah had the same codes we have today, it would have taken him probably a 1,000 years to build that. Thing. <laughs> yeah, he had, to, he had to live to 2,000 <laughs> I'm years just old. curious, though, so could your ark float? Uh, do you have the tar and pitch sitting around there? Uh, if, if the rain continued, it's been going for 40 days, but could it float? Um, the, the answer is no, for this reason. Uh, it was designed as a wooden ship, but built as a building for tourists. So ah. there's three massive big gaping holes in it, in a sense, because it anchors to three big towers. Yeah. And we have these seven-story towers that the ark anchors to. You don't see the towers from the front, but it anchors to them at the back because that's where we put the restrooms because you've got to have restrooms. We had to put massive stairs for fire escapes. And mm-hmm. I mean, that building is so big, uh, we are actually <laughs> permitted to exit 10,000 people at one time. Wow. Uh, so yeah. we have these three seven-story towers. If you put them together, they'd be the equivalent of like a 200-room uh, hotel, mm-hmm. and that's how big those towers are. So the ark actually anchors to those towers. But it actually was designed as a wooden ship, but then built as a building for tourists. We're talking today with Ken Ham of Answers in Genesis about the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter, both located in Kentucky, but basically in the greater Cincinnati, Ohio area. And uh, when we come back, I want to look into some of the various groups, uh, Ken, that you talked about uh, coming to the ark and uh, and see what some of their reactions may have been. In other words, did they change their opinion after having seen the ark? We'll be right back. This is Licensed to Parent. Everywhere we go, we're surrounded by screens. Have we entered into a techno-utopia or a virtual prison? Prison. Is our social experience richer and deeper or more shallow and artificial? Discover insightful answers to these questions in the documentary DVD, Captivated, Finding Freedom in a Media Captive Culture. You'll learn from media experts, church leaders, and inspiring individuals and families from across the country, including Trace Embry and students from Shepherds Hill Academy. Most importantly, you'll discover how God's Word addresses the unique media challenges we face today. Captivated, finding freedom in a media captive culture. Available in the store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds benefit the Shepherd's Hill Academy Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherd's Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. 
it really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and Licensed to Parent to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent. You'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. While there, you can check out our blog. You can also listen to past programs on a variety of parenting topics. But don't do that right now, because right now we are talking with Ken Ham of Answers in Genesis about the Creation Museum and about the Ark Encounter. And Ken, right at the start of the program, you were talking about various groups that you've uh, seen coming through the Ark Encounter, even at the same time from uh, born-again believers to uh, Orthodox Jews to Muslims. And I, I guess my question for you is, do you have any stories of people who came into the Ark Encounter uh, believing one thing but left believing something very different? And Any stories like that that you can share with us? You know, we've got many, many stories and uh, some funny stories and that too. But just to give you just, um, you know, three or four here real quickly. Uh, there was one Muslim lady. Uh, she was hopping on the bus as she was leaving the ark. She'd been through the ark. And one of our staff talked to her and said, so did you enjoy the ark? And she said, interesting, different to, to the Koran. <laughs> so, you know, but that's good. She, it, it obviously challenged her, and she, she didn't say anything negative, and that's what we want to do. We want to challenge people's thinking. I've actually been walking through the ark and actually heard non-Christians talking. I remember two that were standing in front of our geology exhibit on the third deck, and they were looking at uh, the information we had about the formation of the Grand Canyon and layers, and they had to be formed quickly, and it was associated with the flood and, and, and some of the issues of, you know, how can you have uh, layers one on top of the other with supposedly, you know, millions of years missing that the evolutionists tell us. And, and I heard them talking to each other, and one said to the, said to the other, you know, I've never heard that before. This, mm. this this is really interesting. I need to read more up on this. And I, I've had others who are looking at our exhibit where we talk about ice cores because Bill Nye, in his debate with me that you mentioned earlier, Bill Nye actually said uh, when, you did, when you drill down through the ice uh, in, in uh, you, you know, the, the Arctic and so on, you get all these layers showing that it was laid down over millions of years. Well, we've got this exhibit showing how layers and ice form really quickly um, when these planes at the end of the last war were landed on the ice in uh, Greenland. And years later, when they came back to find them, they found they were covered in 250 feet of ice and all these layers and so on. And, you know, that... that, that uh, they were landed there in, in 1945. They were found about 42 years later and covered in that much ice. And I, I've had people saying, wow, that just devastates the idea of millions of years. And wow, we've never heard that before. Mm-hmm. There, there was a, a man that um, met one of our staff in our gift store. And uh, he said, I just want you to know, on the third deck, we have a movie that we show on the second deck. There's a theater in the stern and, and another one. It's an open theater, but in the uh, stern on the third deck. 
and uh, and we have Ray Comfort actually preaching in that movie and preaching uh, about the gospel. We're talking about Noah's Ark and. Uh, and it's, it's an interesting movie. It has like a tabloid newspaper reporter coming to, to the ark and so on. It's a fascinating movie. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, this uh, man said, you know, he said, I brought my son-in-law who's not a Christian. And at the end of that movie, he committed his life to the Lord. And he oh, said, wow. my son-in-law has a testimony that uh, he gave his life to Christ in the ark. He said, mine's just a, just a normal Old Testament. I became a Christian <laughs> as a young person. He said, but my son-in-law came to the Lord in the ark, and he was so, so excited. And, wow. you know, I, there was a 12-year... I came down to the uh, Creation Museum uh, one day, right at, right at evening was closing, and there was a family in the bookstore, and they had a, their 12-year-old daughter with them, and they said they're looking for a book for her to help her. And I found out they had sat in the movie called The Last Adam that we show here at the Creation Museum. And at one stage it talks about uh, the sacrificial lamb and that Jesus is the lamb and talks about the message of the cross and so on. It's a very well done movie. And this little, this young lady turned to her parents and said, now I know what it means that Jesus is the lamb. And she mm. committed her life to the Lord right there. Oh, and I've had many other testimonies from people telling me, we walked in believing in millions of years, we walked out not believing in millions of years. <laughs> and, and we hear that sort of thing over and over and over again. So it, it definitely challenges people's thinking non-Christian, and it equips Christians. I've had many families tell me, thank you for, um, for answering our questions to help us training our children. I, I've actually stood outside the ark on a number of occasions and you know, do meet and greets and had a lot of young people come to me. Here's what's fascinating. I've met a lot of teenagers down there after they've been through the ark, and I'll ask them, what, what was the exhibit that impacted you the most? Do, do you know one that impacts... I, I find this over and over again. They often say this. The one about how Noah could get rid of the waste and look after the animals and feed and water them. And as I talk to them, they say, because, because we've always been told there's no way that could happen. And you, you put all that information in those exhibits to show how he could have done it, and it makes sense. And it helps us understand this really could have happened. Wow. Well, you had a team with modern technology to put your ark together. Uh, how should parents respond to their kids who, who would argue that Noah couldn't possibly build a structure like that, you know, just with himself, his family, and, and levers and pulleys? How, how do we answer our kids there? Well, you know, we have a number of exhibits that actually deal with that particular issue from mm-hmm. various perspectives. But first thing I would say to parents, and, and just sort of put it succinctly, uh, is... Um, We've got to make sure we don't have an evolutionary view of history. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not accusing you of believing in evolution. But we, we tend to be indoctrinated by the world to think, well, you know, Noah, that was 4,300 years ago or so, so he wouldn't have been as advanced as we are. And I say, stop and think about this for a moment. Adam and Eve were the first two humans ever made. They were perfect. They would have been highly intelligent. Within seven generations, the Bible tells us, people were workers of bronze and iron. They were making musical instruments. You see, if you have a creationist view, you think about it. Man started as highly intelligent and would have developed all sorts of technology. You think about it. And leading up to the flood in, what, 1,600 years from creation to the flood, you, you, you start to think about 
what could intelligent humans have developed by then, given that the Bible even says they were working with bronze and iron and making musical instruments, no one might have had a technology we'd be really jealous of. And I think there's some physical (laughs) evidence to that uh, in South America and other places around the world that pre-flood, there may have been some very sophisticated machinery that we just don't know about. Well, when you think about some of the ancient cultures, uh, even post-flood, you know, building pyramids and building some of those stone structures in South America. We don't even know how they lifted those heavy rocks into place. We don't Mm -hmm. even know how they could carve them with such accuracy. You know, Noah was 600 years old, you know, basically, when he was building that ark. Maybe Noah already had that ability because when God said, Noah, I want you to build an ark, he didn't say, what nurse an ark? I don't know how to build a ship. (laughs) I mean, he just did whatever God told him to do. He probably was already prepared, had the technology, had the talent, and could have hired people. You know, we hired a lot of people to help us build the ark. Why couldn't Noah have hired people in his day? We're out of time, man. I can't believe where the time went, but can you give us some final thoughts on how parents can leverage Genesis and the rest of Scripture to improve their child-rearing experience? Well, you know, um, what we do at the Creation Museum and the Ark is help people understand uh, Genesis is not just an interesting story. It's the history that God has revealed in geology, biology, astronomy, anthropology that enables us to have the right foundation for the right worldview to correctly understand the world. That when we look out at the world and we see all the death and suffering, it's because of sin. When we see the different people groups, American Indians and Fijians and Australian Aborigines, that we're all related, but it was because of the tariff or Babel that different ethnic groups, cultural groups, people groups were formed, but we all go back to Adam and Eve and we're all one race. When we see fossils over the world, uh, we realize most of them is the graveyard of the flood because there was a a global flood. Mm -hmm. So when you have that history as your foundation and that God made Adam and Eve, that's the first marriage, that's where marriage came from. So your whole worldview is founded in that history Mm -hmm. in Genesis. And that Mm -hmm. history is what the world is telling us is not true. And sadly, many of our church leaders are telling us is not true. We need to help kids understand that history is true and the gospel based in that history is true. And you'll find when you give them that history chronologically, a a perfect creation, marred by sin, corruption entered, death because of sin, uh, catastrophe, the flood of Noah's day, confusion, the Tower of Babel, Christ's cross consummation, that's the seven seas of history, Genesis to Revelation, and that's what we do at the Creation Museum, walk you through that history and we answer, answer skeptical questions about that in the in the ark as well when you walk them through that history and they understand oh that's why there's death in the world that's why there are people groups that's why there are fossils now i understand who i am and that i'm a sinner and why we die and why jesus came wow now i understand the message of christianity that's why it's so important we're so glad you're doing what you're doing and you know uh the rest of any story makes sense when 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 a certain premise is is bought into and those premises are by faith, and faith is by evidence. And you're giving evidence uh, to our faith and to the, the, the story that comes out of that uh, in a very powerful way. We're really glad you're doing it, Ken. Congratulations. doing a great job. Thank you for being with us. Hey, thank you. Our guest today on today's License to Parent has been Christian apologist and the founder and CEO of Answers in Genesis U.S., Mr. Ken Ham. We've been talking about the Ark Encounter in Williamstown, Kentucky, and also the Creation Museum and Education Center in Petersburg, Kentucky, near Cincinnati. Uh, Ken, if people come out and they happen to be on one of these trams, do you wear a big name tag that says, Hello, I'm Ken? 
<laughs> Usually I have sunglasses and a stash and a hat on. No. <laughs> a ZZ Top beard. <laughs> I was about to say, you may run into Ken because he hangs out there. I do. You can learn more about uh, the ARC at arcencounter.com. You can learn more about the Creation Museum at creationmuseum.org. And that is it for another edition of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Again, Shepherd's Hill is a year-long Christ-centered therapeutic residential program helping teens in crisis and their families. If you need help for your troubled teen, please contact us by following the links to Shepherd's Hill on our website, licensedtoparent.org. You can also learn more about our ministry and even help the work we do with teens while you're there And you can listen to other conversations we've had on a wide range of parenting topics. Once again, LicensedToParent.org. Our guest coordinator is Daniel Fasina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosal, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.